Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 85 of the Mountain Bike Podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jeff. I'm Jared. And I'm Liam. And we are going to tell you all about our recent epic Colorado vacation. Woo. Did you guys think it was epic? Oh, I mean, I worked the whole time. It wasn't a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. we'll, see. we'll see about that. We will recap some of the highlights. Uh, we're also going to go over some quick, interesting things that have happened in our lives. Seems like the last episode we talked about some funny stories and people enjoyed that. So we're going to tell some more funny stories. And Jared's going to talk about something other than smoking meats. Mm. Pressure's on. Oh, man. <laughs> We're also going to hit a whole slew of listener questions ranging from poop on your bike, tire insert technology, industry supply chain issues and pricing changes, and custom geometry on pros bikes. Well, and a whole bunch of other things. Wow. Yeah, questions. Anything else? Listener questions. All right, listener questions. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Play a sound effect, DJ Meatball. Meatball. Colorado trip. The Colorado trip. Wow. We've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, basically, this all transpired because we have a friend, Steve Moken, who runs a company called Chasing Epic Mountain Bike Tours, and they host all-inclusive mountain bike tours all over North America. And we've done a few of them in the past, collaboration trips. We did this one for Crested Butte, Colorado, and we decided to add on a little flavor to the beginning of the trip and go to Revel Bikes headquarters and have some fun there, which is in Carbondale, Colorado. And then we went over to Crested Butte to ride bikes. Um, it was a, it was a hell of a trip. We did a lot of riding. We did rafting. We did partying. Went to a rodeo. Ooh, yeah, literally our first rodeo. We a, we, yeah, it was our first not rodeo. My first. It's not, <laughs> it's not Liam's first it's rodeo. Definitely his first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we go to Revel Bikes. We wanted to film some content and say hi and talk to those guys. And um, they just they were happened. They just happened to have a. Is was it like a company shindig? Is what mm-hmm. they called it? Yeah, they they did kind of plan it a little bit bigger for us being there it was like yeah. a uh they went to a but local rodeo the Carbondale yeah, they, rodeo, they do it yeah. every thursday like during yeah. the summer i think it's mm. like eight weekend or eight weeks there's like a rodeo yeah. i'll be honest i didn't really know what a rodeo was Me i either. thought it was more bull riding but there's a there's definitely there some more family focused. there's some there's definitely yeah, more family yeah. focused didn't realize all the different events i mean it was yeah it was interesting to watch very cool yeah there was an event where all these little kids around like seven years old chased down sheep and tried to like pull there was like it was like flag football but like sheep running terrified from yeah. like a herd of children <laughs> that were ripping off like little tassels on them it was it was a rodeo, man. It was man. very I mean, entertaining. It yeah. was inter- it was entertaining, <laughs> and it was fun. And all yeah. of us are, you know, born and raised Southern California white boys, so we <laughs> weren't for, we weren't familiar with the rodeo, but now we are. And it was a, it was a great time. So thank you, Revel Bikes, for hosting us. We had a great time. We also rode mountain bikes that day on Red Hill, and went river rafting, and then went to the rodeo. Too much fun. Yeah. It's a packed in day. Too much fun for one day. And then we still hung out in the town afterwards. Yeah, right? we did. Great time. Had, yeah, I probably had a hundred thousand dollar bike pile. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah, yeah. the bike yeah, pile the, was something else. We all, after the rodeo, we all went to a local bar, which I have no idea what the name of that bar was. Black Nugget. Black, Black Nugget. Nugget. It was a great place. <laughs> it was so fun. Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, someone's idea. Uh, it was it was was it Matt from Revel? Was the bike pile idea? Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of characters that work at Revel. It's an entertaining <laughs> company to be at. Those guys work hard and take their jobs seriously, but also like really take having fun seriously. Work it's, hard, play hard. Yeah, we relate. 
did well to that, so it was fun. And yeah, so we pull up to this bar with a whole ton of people, almost everyone on like a ten thousand dollar mountain bike, and stacked them all in a giant pile in front of a bar. Uh, it was like twenty plus bikes, probably at least. Yeah, yep. everybody walking by, taking pictures, like people stopping cars, yeah. <laughs> like what yep. the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> and then uh, at the end of the night, me and one of Revel's riders, Brady Tweedy, tried to bring our bikes into the bar. And get some pictures doing wheelies. And at first, the bouncer. Yeah, you asked the bouncer, right? We asked him. Yeah, yeah. nice people just asked permission. Yeah, to yeah. Ride I asked, the bikes and in he was like, "Yeah, no problem." Like, didn't think anything of it. So me and Brady roll in and hop on the bikes, and we do one wheelie. And he was the bouncer was not having it. Um, <laughs> pulled us off the bikes and uh, stood right in between us, so we could not do wheelies. We just wanted a picture <laughs> in the bar doing wheelies. I just remember but. him like grabbing the back of your neck, and I was like, "Whoa, what's going oh, on over whoa, here?" Grab your neck. He wasn't like too upset, but he was like, "I think he just misunderstood. I think uh, he thought. My guess is he thought you wanted to just like store them in there or something." Yeah. While yeah. You went to the Afterwards, I mean, not twenty twenty, you know, but like, bar. I I thought I had asked to ride in the bar, so. All good. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that was that. That was the Carbondale little shindig. Ironically enough, we were trying to actually like do some business related things, and we didn't really do much of that. Uh, <laughs> didn't really nail any of the things on the agenda at Revel, so we ended up rearranging plans and stopping back by their HQ for another like two and a half hours to actually get some of that done on the way out. Um, but after the Revel. shenanigans, shindig, the rodeo, all of that fun. Then we headed over to meet up with the Chasing Epic crew in Crested Butte, and we rode some unbelievable mountain bike trails in Crested Butte, Colorado. That's got to be a bucket list place, you know, to to ride mountain bikes. Yeah, I agree with that. 100%. Um, And also just from Carbondale into Crested Butte and everywhere surrounding Crested Butte is probably like some of the most beautiful mountainscape I've ever yeah, it's like the scene. genuine Rocky Mountains yeah, and all this glory. Yeah, even the the drive. What was that that pass called? Uh, Kevlar Pass. Is that what it was? Kevlar's? Kevlar? 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 Like the material or the cooking? I think it's Kevlar. Oh. Kevlar. Yeah, I think so too. It, it was this dirt road, only look, open in the summer. Yeah, only open in the summer, yeah. Dirt um, road. Super awesome road just yeah. to drive over. Your rally car. Yeah, we... <laughs> Yeah, we had a, a Chrysler Voyager, and I fell in love with it. I love minivans, <laughs> by the way, and I think I'm going to buy one after that Chrysler Voyager. <laughs> You're going to get sponsored by Chrysler, and well, they're going to give so, you one. That's so we, we we did film an ad for Chrysler Voyager for this Voyager that we're going to we're going to produce, and hopefully, it's so good that Chrysler wants to sponsor us. That's <laughs> yeah, my hope. It's not sponsored yet, but so it was. stay tuned. Uh, you might see that on my personal Instagram and or the Worldwide Cycler Instagram if it really comes out well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, so Colorado. Yeah, Crest Beat, man. I think. What was your favorite day of riding, if you could choose one? Mm, I don't know if I thought you were going to ask a trail. I had trail prepared, not day. Well, same thing, right? Pretty much. Well, not necessarily, because the first day we rode Baxter's Gulch. That's what it's called, right? And I thought the downhill of that, although the climb was brutal, and I was like, had a wicked hangover from hanging out with the Revel <laughs> Boys the day before. <laughs> So I was just felt like absolute. I could just felt horrible climbing that thing. I felt like death. But the downhill once because it's just an out and back that trail. I loved that downhill. It was like perfect trail bike swooping corners, cool little things you could pop off. Like well 
thought out. It was like built by mountain bikers. Mm-hmm. A lot of the trails there, like a lot of m- mountain biking that we do is like hiking trails, yeah. which can work sometimes. But like a lot of the stuff in Crested Butte, I guess you could say it's about a lot of Colorado, but it's like purpose built by mountain bikers for mountain bikers. And therefore the corners link up correctly and like the speed makes sense and they're banked and it was just awesome. So oh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Imagine that. So that was kind of my, like, I didn't, you know, I felt horrible, like, most of that whole day. But for, like, a glimmering five minutes on that downhill, it was, like, the best day of my life. Yeah, and you're but talking the rest about the, day that, was the upper section before, like, the, the bridge. Where you had yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was yeah, a really yeah. sweet section. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that was my favorite What was ride. yours, Jared? Oh, man, I probably would go with uh, Dr. Park. You know, mm-hmm. that was just pretty unreal. Yeah, yeah, that's sick. I mean, the conditions like yeah, going up in like rain and hail, and then pretty spicy conditions on the way down. It was just yeah, it was sick. Yeah, that trail had like something for everyone. That's why the guides told us. Yeah. So that's how chasing Tricks work, by the way. Like you go there, it's all inclusive, and you have local guides that show you all these awesome trails. And yeah, they took us there because they're like this trail has something for everyone. Yeah. There's like fast flowy corners. There's technical rocky sections. There's like bermy sections. There's kind of just something for no matter what you liked. So. That was a huge long downhill too. Yeah, you had to work for them. They were big climbs, a big yeah. elevation, but super yeah. worth yeah, it. Yeah, it was totally worth it. That was a great day in general. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liam? Um, I think uh, kind of the whole day where we we did the biggest climb of the day mm-hmm. up to Crystal Saddle uh, and then was it Star Saddle? Star Peak. Star Peak. Star Peak. Yeah, so one of them sat one. Um, yeah, I mean that you crest over like. Twelve thousand two hundred feet, I believe. Yeah. Um, that was the other yeah, one I was, was going to say. That was sick. And the trails on the way down. I mean, the climb was beautiful. Wildflowers everywhere. Oh yeah, it was um, like being in heaven. Yeah, like, you was, were just climbing with mountainscapes and pink and yellow wildflowers yeah. everywhere. It was doesn't it was, seem real. So that that no. was a pretty cool climb, especially when you're struggling to breathe above <laughs> tree line. Um, but then also those downhills. It, it, that was the day that it started raining and hailing at mm-hmm. the top. We were at the saddle, so we booked it out of there. And uh, that first downhill is pretty fun as a motor trail, but it just had all these rollers. You could just double so many rollers. And then we had block and tackle, which is a not a long oh, yeah, trail, but I think block really and tackle for like the amount of trail that you rode is really good. Yeah. That was a really fun trail. Yeah. So I think that day as a whole, just the whole day is. It's yeah. pretty epic. And yeah. there's so much stuff we didn't even hit. It's like, Oh, wow. yeah, that place oh, yeah. is like limitless. And it's just like riding. 800 miles of single track there. I think we rode like 120 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. I was yeah, looking was forward amazing. to this trip for like, ever since you told me about it, like beginning of the year or whatever. <laughs> and I'm going to be looking forward to the next time I go until the next time I yeah, go. Yeah, we might need to make that an annual trip because yeah. that was so fun. It's too good. Yeah, that, that was a good time. So if you're curious about riding in Crested Butte, check out Chasing Epic. And, you know, it's 2021, so nothing's a secret. Go on YouTube, type in Crested Butte Mountain Biking. Nate Hills has a bunch of killer videos on Crested Butte mm-hmm. trails. He does. Um, the other thing to note, just a, just a disclaimer, Crested Butte is, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of interesting things as a small mountain town because of COVID and over-tourism and things like that. So if you do end up going there, Please be respectful to tourists and tip largely and things like that. I was at the bar that one night and I was like demanding to pay for the popcorn, which she told me it was free. <laughs> I was trying to just like support small business, you know, and I was like, how much for popcorn? She's like, oh, it's free. And I was like, 
oh, I will give you $10. <laughs> so, I don't I think know. she ended so, up taking up on no, that. No, she didn't. And I was like, was, you know, but anyway, so I, I just like to preface that because we, we did learn a lot from the local guides about like, it's a pretty wild and interesting economic situation going on in Crested Butte with some yeah. challenging stuff because of how many people go there and ride bikes and hike and just tourists, you know. So we tried to be the respectful good tourists, not the, not the rude tourists. So if yeah. you go there, do that. Word. Uh, okay, before we get into listener questions, let's go over some recent interesting things that have happened in our lives that don't include Jared smoking meat on his new smoker <laughs> because on. that's all he can think and talk about these days. Guilty. Did you think of something else? No. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, I'll give you some time. All right, Liam, cool. what do you got? What's interesting for you? Not your haircut. But I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> You just buzzed your hair. I did it myself. That is interesting. That counts. That's your interesting thing. <laughs> I mean, all I've all I've done was go to Mammoth, go to Colorado, and come back and work and shave my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's good times. Yeah. No, oh, what? A, what about the fish? Okay. There's, there's no complaints here. Well, it wasn't yeah. like it didn't like. I guess I wasn't like directly involved, but yeah, I witnessed uh, one of our guys here in California, Zach Weaver. Uh, he pulled a fish out of this lake in Mammoth, and we all thought that he caught it like, with his bare hands. With his bare hands. Well, so so so. Yeah, better add context Back here. Pedal. Like we're, we were all in Mammoth, yeah. like our our Nevada store, California store. Basically, all the staff for the most part went and met up in Mammoth for a camping trip and riding for a couple nights, and we're all at this lake hanging out. After a big day of riding, everyone's relaxing, gorgeous alpine lakes in Mammoth, and like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Zach. <laughs> jumps out of the water yelling like pops I up. got a fish and we all freak out we thought he just caught this fish with his bare hands turns out it was dead just lying at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> and it was so gross it smelled terrible and he probably did too after that and we all just freaked out thought he caught a fish with his bare hands it was hilarious yeah yeah, that, that was pretty interesting that was fun that was and, fun and then uh, was the it his idea to too. swim across the lake that was maybe my idea Whose idea was I've that? I wanted to do it like the whole time. Idea. I was like, I'm staring at this rock to jump off if we have yeah. to do it. And the only way we're going to do it is you know, if we swim. So Everyone was we swam. bonked out like from riding all that day. And then we swam across a pretty decent sized lake. None of us are swimmers. That's it was like a sure. 15, 20 minute swim. Yeah. Right? And like, oh, I've been longer than that. It was we swam what, for a long 9, time. 9,000 feet probably or yeah, 8,000 feet. We swam for a long time. Yeah. Not like that we were going very fast. No. But Tyler, who's, who's the GM of our Nevada store, I thought he was going to. Panic! <laughs> I thought he was. I thought he was giving up. We had I a rescue. Pretty, boat. I was pretty worried. Yeah, and someone like guy, was out yeah. on the paddleboard. I was like, "That's good because I think Tyler's gonna like." He was oh. gonna turn back, and all I remember because I did not swim across the lake. Um, yeah, only four but, people did. Yeah, but the rest fact, were smart enough to not say fact, yes to that. I can't swim. I've got bad shoulders. I can't like long term swim like that. Um, but I remember back at camp, Zach goes, I totally kicked all your guys' butts. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I was worried about Tyler making it. He's like, I still won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like all competitive about it. And I was like, I didn't know. It. Well, one, it wasn't a race. But anyway, anyways, that's, that's yeah. how Zach is. He's a competitive guy. I just want to make sure Tyler was, you know, Tyler's a really important person to me. I didn't want to see him drown in the middle of a lake. So I was a little worried at one point. He was looking pretty tired. It's not very funny when you're out in the middle of a lake and dry heaving because you can't breathe. Right. So it's, you know. 
don't swim across the lake if you're not an experienced swimmer. That's that was my takeaway. There was some concern. There was some concern. Um, my my interesting thing recently, for some reason, I've been getting into running. I read the David Goggins book, um, Can't Hurt Me, and I'm all just like amped on running ever since I read that months ago. And uh, I I raced a half marathon last weekend, and really just botched my pre race nutrition, just thinking it would be no big deal. And uh, about halfway through, so around like mile seven, I pretty much felt like I was going to poo and pee my pants simultaneously oh, no. for the entire rest of the race. Oh, no. Um, it was brutal, too. You didn't stop? No. To really yourself? Going for, I was going Goggins for it. I was going him. for it. Have Goggins Deal? also pooped and peed himself? <laughs> <laughs> Deal with the pain. That's, that's what inspired you. Well, so I'm going like, to do exactly what you did. Yeah. <laughs> I bossed the pre-race nutrition because I just didn't take it as serious as I should have. And then the, the first two miles I ran with one of our uh, main staff at WC, Patrick, and it was a big deal for him to run that thing. So I ran like a two 12-and-a-half-minute miles with him. And then I was like, all right, now I'm going to see if I can do this in an hour 45. And I knew I had to make up a bunch of time. So then I was just running like six, seven-minute miles for a while up and down. And there was like 800 feet of elevation up and down. Wow. Um, so then I, I was just like – and it just didn't feel good. My stomach was churning, and I was just going for it. I did it in an hour fifty-one, though. Wow! Um, but it was painful and uncomfortable, and yeah. So I hope you got to relieve yourself at the end. Oh yeah, that's the first thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> did it ever go away? No, not, no, not until I went to the bathroom after the race. <laughs> I just I've, dealt with it the whole time. <laughs> I've been, I've been mid-race before and had to do both. Um, sometimes it goes away. I've been a road race before and actually pissed myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people in road it's races do that, don't they? Yeah, a lot of yeah. people just do it on purpose, right? Yeah. Like triathletes and stuff? Strategy. Yeah. Tri- triathlons. P.O. Well, self. I'm talking about the athletes, the triathletes. Yeah. Triathletes. Yeah. yeah. Want to be a triathlete? Pee yourself. That could be a slogan. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is you and I started a Goggins book together yeah, on did. the way back from our the last, last chasing, chasing epic trip, trip in yeah. Moab we yeah. did in October. In October. Yeah. And I did not get the same inspiration that Jeff did to run. <laughs> at all. Well, this like guy likes, yeah, bit. he already likes running. Uh, I just like doing like painful things that yeah. I'm not good at. And I mean, I, running's for I enjoy sure suffering, one of type, type but two. I love bikes. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, running is one of those things. It's like yeah. you either like it or you don't. You can't just like yeah. kind of sprinkle it in. If you I'm going to run that sub five mile, dude. We're both going to do it. You're going to try and run a sub five? Oh, maybe it's Don't a, commit to that. It's dude. recorded now. Jared, the other day when I was talking about trying to run a sub five mile, I was like, I, I bet I could run. What did you say? Sub seven. Sub seven, yeah. You want to try that? We should go to the, you want to go to the Hell track? Hell yeah. Soon Let's and do, do that? it. I'm in. I'm in. I ran a 529 recently. Let's do it. Let's go to I the think track. I could do sub five. See you there. I'm going to run a marathon this Sunday. This Sunday. This Sunday. Okay, so we're Half not. Half marathon that. last weekend, marathon this weekend. So not this weekend, but, you know. Oh, at some point when I'm back in town. Anyways, running. Anyways. No one cares about running. This is a mountain bike <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'll start another podcast for that one. <laughs> Not that interested in it. Uh, all right, before we rip through these listener questions, here is a word from one of our very legitimate sponsors. Hey, this is Norman from Sramino 14 Speed Drives Trains, live on Kickstarter right now and appearing on Shark Tank March 12th. We are developing the world's first 14 speed drivetrain that's going to be absolutely amazing with 140% gear range. It only fits on Super Boost Plus Plus hubs. Check us out now on Kickstarter and make sure to tune into Shark Tank March 12th. And now, back to the show. Listener questions. Listener questions. We got some good ones. I think everyone is going to enjoy all of these questions. Mixed in a little funny ones here and there too because that's just what we do. Number one, 
do you guys track calories on and off the bike or more, mostly eat anything and everything? Uh, that Jared, is a good question. What do you got, what do you I got think, Jared? I think our answers <laughs> yeah. are all going to vary. They're all going to be different. This is going to be an interesting one. What do I do? I like to see how many calories I burn on a ride. And then I Via much, what method? Well, <laughs> sometimes Apple Watch, okay. which I know you're very anti-Apple Watch. Just for starters, Watch. all those calorie burning things are largely BS and inaccurate. But yeah, so I like to get a ballpark idea. Yeah. And then I completely disregard it and eat whatever I see. <laughs> Everything in sight. Oh no, I'm on the um, what the seafood diet. I seafood and I eat it. Oh, that's good. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I tr- obviously try and like I've tried to be healthier lately. Uh, trying to keyword, but that's about it. Isn't you know? everyone always trying to be healthier yeah. lately? No, <laughs> I have some friends that are definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, you know, in our athletic space, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, right. but that's about me. What about you guys? Well, yeah. What do you got, Liam? Um, I've never tracked the calories I burn per se on the bike, but more or less like hours on the bike and what activity and try to eat during the bike. Um, off the bike, I just try to eat as much like real food as I can and semi like not overeat, um, but more or less try to like just eat real food. I don't track calories or track my food. I have tracked my food before, but I get like really obsessed with things. So it's not good for me to like track my food because I'm already like pretty lean and then I just end up losing weight. No, you don't need to. I don't, yeah. I think well, it depends are. on what you're trying to accomplish. What? Depends on what you're trying to that's, accomplish. Yeah, that's true. But I'm talking about like in, he doesn't really need to obviously lose weight or anything. No, like, yeah. 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 Nutrition yeah. is about goals. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So my goal is to eat real unprocessed food with lower amounts of yeah. sugar. It's a good goal. That's it. Yeah, I like it. I don't, I don't track calories that much, though. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't really track calories either. I mean, I at, at one point in my life, I was, I mean, I've always been really interested in nutrition since I was about 13 years old and just from racing bikes and doing athletic stuff. And then at one point in my life, I think when I was like 19 to age 23, I was like a mega nutrition nerd. And I went, I was trying to do scientific experiments on my own body in a sense where like I would eat a control diet for six months, like very particular foods. And then I would do a blood test at the beginning and the end. And then I would eat another particular diet for six months and do a blood test at the end of that. And then I would do these like split tests of like different diets and see how they would affect my body and how they would affect like various metrics that I could pull from a blood sample. Um, and, uh, it would, there was a ton of learnings taken from that one and it was really interesting. But then I eventually realized that like my, my largest takeaway from doing all that crazy shenanigans was that like mental health and like not like being, not having anxiety because like you're out with friends and you're starving, but like you can't eat because you're at this place and they don't have foods you eat. Like that's more unhealthy and detrimental to your body physically and emotionally than just like eating whatever the hell's there and like yeah. enjoying your goddamn life. Um, so I don't know. Anyways, that's like a, that's, that sums up that thing way too quickly. But Nowadays, I just try to eat healthy, kind of like Liam. Like I try to eat whole foods and keep things healthy and smart. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also, you know, if if where I'm traveling and things like that, if there's just whatever food there and it's what's there, and then it's not a big deal. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, I've also got super into Garmin watches these days because I track all my runs and rides and everything on them, and I've been really enjoying that. Um, so I'm kind of into that whole side of the thing. But I don't, I don't like care too much about like 
the caloric intake or anything. Um, I did get, when I did that 36 hour adventure race, I did get more like particular about making sure I had enough calories and enough food. Cause you can't do a race like that. Yeah. And not like you can't just like screw up your math on yeah. that and realize you don't have enough food. Yeah. That's, that was one of my comments. It's like, as I'm riding, I'm more like looking at calories and carbs and sugars than I am at any other time, especially for like a four plus hour effort. Like, yeah, I think I, yeah, less than four hours, you can on, get away with a lot of, bad decisions yeah less than four hours especially like two hours you can like one bottle it and maybe no bar and like you're good to go mm-hmm. if you're fit um on the the colorado trip i think i ended the ride every day with like over amounts of food and everyone was giving food to people and yeah stuff it's always um, good to have extra food yeah not enough they were doing big days it's all about goals trying to lose weight trying to stay fit trying to keep your six-pack tone trying to like trying to run a sub five mile, you know, it all depends on what you're trying to do. You got to link your nutrition accordingly. Like um, oh, here's an interesting question. And I, I read this like this when we were going over questions and everyone seemed to like the delivery. And the delivery was, what do I do if I get poop, not my own, but like an animal on my tires while riding? Mm. These are the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> You could buy an MTB podcast fender, which you can see on the MTB podcast YouTube channel if you're watching the video right now. Actually, there's no way for anyone to buy these. They're not for sale anywhere. We'll give it to we you. We just have some of them here. If you email us. Yeah. Oh, you're going to cause yourself some work right there, but yeah. let's do it. If you want a free MTB podcast fender while supplies last, send an email to, what's the email? Pod- I think it's po- uh, podcast. Podcast at worldwidesacklery.com. And Jared will and include a funny photo of yourself riding a bike. And if Ooh. you don't include your shipping address, then oh yeah, that's that's the thing. Whenever we over. do these giveaways and people send in these incomplete shipping addresses with no zip codes or something, I'm just like archive. Come you're on, scratched. come on. You want something mm-hmm. for free, but you're just going to send in an address with no zip code, and you're out of here. Give so us the info. This vendor will keep the poop out of your face mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on but, how large that cow pile is. What This actually reminds me of uh, one time when I went on a ride into work one day, and I think I encountered some poop, but I, and it made everything smell in like, the whole shop, but we couldn't figure out what oh, it was from. I remember that I day, finally dude. Realized everyone it was, was on freaking my tire, out and yeah. yelling at you and like wondering whose bike and had poop my on tire. the tire. Yeah. yeah. And I had to wash. You get, well, here's the answer. You got to wash your bike ASAP. Yeah, if you get poo. I mean, <laughs> kind of like if you get poo anywhere, everywhere, just like get it off. Like clean, clean it. Get rid of it. Clean, clean that. Wash it. Whatever, you know. Clean it ASAP. Pretty simple solution. All right, why are we still talking about this question? Yeah, well, it's a good question. Do you have question. any other comments on this question, Liam? I think if you're in front of a friend, you should bounce your bike up and down a lot. So yeah. it happens to flick off. So it flings off on It flies them. everywhere. That's, that's what I was going to say. You just bounce your bike up and down. While riding. Perfect. While riding. Yeah, while riding. Next question. Yeah. Next question. Tell us about the recent rumors about Shimano canceling orders and whatnot. Ooh. Ooh. Spicy. spicy. <laughs> Uh, I will address this one. Yeah, what's up? Uh, Shimano, like every brand in the bike industry, is dealing with immense supply chain issues and manufacturing difficulties and all of the above because of two reasons, right? The major bike boom that happened in 2020 and people buying so much more product than they ever anticipated, and then all the various other weird things that happened because of the pandemic. Uh, Shimano... I mean, well, I'll tell you our experience with Shimano, which was very upsetting and frustrating. Um, We had like a large order that they told us to place immediately way ahead of time. I think we worked 
uh, with Shimano to place like a large stocking order in December of 2020 with like an estimated of April to June delivery. Um, and it I think was, it was before that even. It could have been. Yeah, yeah, it could have been like a May to June, April, May, something like that. No, but when you, we placed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it was been. like October, November, but mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, and uh, which was which is unusual. Like normally in the bike industry, you don't need to place orders that far in advance. And uh, yeah, then they just decided to give us only twenty five percent of it, and not really let us choose what twenty five percent we wanted. Just kind of the twenty five percent of it that they wanted, and didn't really tell us that until June, and said, "Here you go." And it's just a challenging situation to be in as a business, and a little little rude on their end. But you know that's uh, how some brands behave in the bike industry. So. Whoever asked this question must be on the inside of the bike industry somewhere. <laughs> that is very frustrating, got to say. Yeah, it was. But, you know, it's a challenging situation out there. But, yeah, that's wasn't wasn't very cool, Shimano. Opens up the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turns out other people that respect retailers more might get your market share. <clears throat> okay, anyways, let's continue on. <laughs> What's the next question, Willie? Do pro riders get custom geo for their frames and bikes, such as reach and head angle or seat angle or do they have to pick mass produced frames and choose a certain size frame that they prefer the geometry mm. so it's kind of two questions right it's uh do the pro riders ride stock bikes like what you and I can buy or do they get fully custom bikes um it's kind of in the middle there are yeah, custom- the simple answer is both yeah yes is a simple answer yes uh there are some like fully custom bikes on the market. There's some weird UCI rules that a bike does have to be planned to be put in production within like 12 months or yeah, and it's, something. It's actually pretty different in road than mountain. It, it is, like road is road way more has strict. to be in production. Yeah. It has to have a UCI test approval, like everything. It's like weight limits. Weight and, like, limit, all everything. All sorts of other weird rules Downhill has something like it's projected to be in production um, which is largely which erroneous. Is, yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> loose-ended. So yeah. there are a couple riders. I mean, the biggest one out there on full custom would be Aaron Gwynn. Yeah. He's on a full custom. Him and Nico Minali mm-hmm. on Intense have full custom bikes right now. Bikes that, that you just can't buy. You cannot buy. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe if you had a deep, deep pockets, you could maybe have Intense Well, It depends on the level of the rider, mm-hmm. right? Like, the faster they are, too, the more yeah. likely they're going to be riding something prototype yeah. or something they, like, specified to their yeah. own specification. And then, on the other side of that, you have Greg Menar, who's been bolting on longer dropouts mm-hmm. to his uh, V10 29er to get a longer rear end that we cannot buy either. He also uses reach adjust and stuff. But for the most part, most racers run... I'd say a stock-ish bike. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, downhill bikes almost all have a reach adjuster head set uh, angle adjust that you can mess with and usually different like high and low positions. Um, enduro riders kind of just ride stock bikes. Yeah, that's what it seems prototype. like. Yeah. Seems like the majority of the adjustments and like customization is on the downhill bikes. Yeah, like a reach adjust headset or yeah. chain stays, what really have you. Pulling for seconds and things yeah. like that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But the disclaimer there too is that just because it works good for a pro absolutely does not mean it works good for you. That's true. Most of the time it will not because we do not yeah. do what the no, pros do on the, bikes. The no. common man does and woman does not ride a bike 
anywhere close to the speed that like world-class level athletes ride that bike. Therefore, they need different geometry, different suspension setups, different tires. Like it's, it's kind of irrelevant, you know, unless you're like close to like, if you're like a, you know, mid-pack World Cup racer, like, yeah, you should be aspiring and paying attention to what the top guys are riding. If you're like a total random weekend warrior, it's like entirely irrelevant what the fastest guy in the world's riding because he's riding it so much differently than you are that oh, yeah. it's just a totally different ball game. If you don't have multiple pages of Strava KOMs, <laughs> it might not apply Stop to worrying you. about this question. <laughs> <laughs> just ride the good bikes that are out there. The, the good thing, though, is, too, that's interesting, like, that I've seen a lot in the industry is that when pros do develop new things or request changes and help product development, um, and that stuff makes sense for common riders, that stuff always trickles down. Like, Definitely. any good brand is mm-hmm. going to, like, trickle that down because, like, these every brand out there wants to make the best components, the best bike, et cetera. So, like, they're working on that stuff to make sure they make good product. Totally. That works good and works better than their competitors. Okay, next question. Can you compare the use of tire inserts versus heavier tire casings and describe when and why we might choose to go either way? Seems like these topics overlap, and I would love to hear an opinion. I I love man. this. Yeah, that's, that's a great this question. is like this like gets Liam all sorts of he's probably like a <laughs> glean of sweat is dripping off his forehead. He's so excited about this. I, I don't really care, to be honest. Like I'm more of a weight weenie. I I'd never have run tire inserts. I'm also a small guy. I'm 150 pounds, so like I don't really have much of an issue with denting rims and ripping tire casing. So I just like never really worried about riding tire inserts. And occasionally I run like a thicker casing tire if depending on where i'm riding if it's super rocky but liam is like way more of a nerd on that so we also preference your ridings mostly trail trail riding well yeah 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 Yeah. sure so trail slash enduro yeah if you go up to like heavy enduro riding like that's when thicker casings and tire inserts make sense um i'm a tire nerd i love learning out tires because i think it's like the biggest change you can make on a bike yeah it definitely is from like a Just the EXO casing to downhill casing, you have two different bikes. So it's pretty cool to to do, and it, it makes you like be able to have different setups for different places. So, um, but this guy is correct; they do kind of overlap, and like you're not really gonna put a tire insert on a lightweight cross country tire, even though it's starting to kind of do that in cross country. It's not as common. Um, it's definitely more common in like enduro and downhill riding, where you're gonna kind of inherently be riding like a thicker casing of double down or downhill from Maxxis. You have like super gravity or tough casing from other brands. Um, I don't know how to compare them though. I mean, it makes more sense, right, for like a downhill or enduro rider to use an insert because at least that could get you down the hill or like, you know, we're, as in cross country, like if you get a flat, I mean, you have no chance, right? I mean... I guess. The I mean, anything without an insert, right. if you get a flat, it's, yeah. like, it's like entirely, like your ride is ruined. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even riding the bike. Whereas if you did have True. an insert in any bike, like you could theoretically still ride it like, okay. Yeah. Right, or like limp it down to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So it gives you the, like, the option to limp your bike the rest of the ride. Right. Whereas like not having any insert, if you get a flat, regardless yeah. of your casing, like you're, it's over. I've, I've kind of gone <clears throat> lean towards like, if you're racing, Inserts make a lot of sense because you want to finish your race. Mm-hmm. If you're trail riding and you get a flat with an insert, what are you doing with that insert? Yeah. 
you're like putting it around your neck or like trying to, <laughs> trying to see people I've it. seen people that yeah it's totally. ridiculous they wrap it in a figure eight yeah. they wrap it around their arms like, and they're old to a France tubular style covered in right? sealant yeah. it's also, like a total mess smells yeah. bad in that case yeah. like you should be running a thick casing and ear insert because well yeah like yeah, if you're on an EXO with an insert like you don't get the weight like benefit of having a lighter tire so you might as well just run a thicker casing right yeah. and like have more flat protection I, I usually lean towards heavier casing because one it's easier to install two it's easier to work on if you do get trail side issues mm-hmm. um, and you kind of also get a full protection around the tire where you, your actual casing is stronger to punctures like against rocks and slicing and everything right where just the insert kind of helps protect your rim and pinch flats um, and you can ride out a bike on a semi-flat tire right so yeah to compare point. the two yeah I'd, I'd lean towards heavier casing tires race day might might throw some inserts in. Right. Depends on, yeah, your use case too, because I totally agree with what you said. But if you're very prone to denting rims often, mm. then an insert like yeah. is way better than a thicker tire casing. Yeah, but if you're running a DH casing tire and you're still denting your rim, like you might want to check and see what PSI you're probably running in your tire. Yeah. Like, or like, what the heck you're doing? Yeah. Or what are you doing? <laughs> you're like, maybe ride a different trail. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of it is just like inputs and outputs. So it's like, see yeah. what's happening to your bike. If like you feel like your tires are wandering, if you're flatting all the time, why are you flatting? You're denting your rims all the time. Like, yeah. adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. But components. it's definitely something to cool mess with if you're a tinkerer. Totally. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why a lot of people buy, uh, Cushcore and what's the other brand? I can't. Tannis. Tannis. Tannis is mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah, those yeah. are t- Cushcore and Tannis are like the most popular yep. ones, but mm-hmm. there's a million out there at this point. Totally. The Huck Norris. The Huck. Oh yeah, that's I, right. I just the like Huck the Norris. name. That's a cool. One. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Those three are the most popular for sure. Yeah. So good ones to look into if you're considering it because you're denton rims or whatever else. Awesome. What's the next question, Jared? Is Jeff actually an alien spy from another galaxy hiding in plain sight? I can't call it. Can't call it either. <laughs> you don't think he knows. <laughs> I mean, could all be a simulation. Right? We don't know. There's just so many unusual Perception things that you reality, do man. that it just makes us question everything. You know, you know, I'm an odd human. However, once <laughs> what are you laughing are at? Are you me? a human? <laughs> <laughs> once I met more people who like were entrepreneurs that like started businesses. It's just like a, a small percentage of population, and like they're all kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So like, you can weird. justify that way. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. However you want to label it. Maybe I'm an alien. People <laughs> ask the weirdest questions. All right. All right. All right. So <laughs> the jury's out for that one. Jury's out. Liam, next question. What was your worst crush? Ooh. Mm, what do you got? What was your worst crush? Um, you don't have that many bad scars. Definitely more like some some BMX crashes, teenager style. Um, one time I, I went OTB on a pretty decent sized dirt jump, completely knocked myself loose, um, broke my collarbone, but I was so out of it. And of course I was like 15 that I decided to ditch my friends, ride my bike four miles across town home, uh, completely concussed and like, <laughs> nice move. Yeah. Um, that was a good one, but I had a pretty good crash at Downeyville a couple years ago. That was probably one of the, uh, Higher speed like cartwheel crashes I've had. Yeah, uh, just yard sale, yard like sale, riding man. fast, and all of a sudden, like all your limbs are just flailing. Just high speed section of Downingville Classic Course, tagged a pedal, cartwheeled a couple times down the trail. Thought I was good, dislocated a shoulder. I found out, put it back in, 
still kept going on adrenaline and shock, but uh, I was pretty screwed up after the race once Oof. all that wore off. Um, that one took a little bit to get back from just because I don't think I'd ever crashed like that high speed. And like yeah, speed is everything, dude. Yeah, like, like if you crash slow, you can get away with a lot. Cartoonish, yeah. You're going fast, yeah it felt like cartoonish crash, whereas like you know, you just see like the ground sky, ground sky right. type of deal as you're cartwheeling. Um, that one was probably one of my more recent like bad crashes. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I would say I'm like up there with two, probably tied both at Big Bear. Um, one going off a jump and just like. Totally got bucked and went over the handlebars and was just, yeah, like bikes over there. You were trying to do a front flip. Inadvertently, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty bad. And then another time, I think it was on like Miracle Mile or no, maybe not. I don't remember. But um, I slipped a pedal and this was before I had like legitimate like mountain biking, like 510s or whatever. Slipped a pedal and then um, just totally, yeah, yard sale, just like cartwheeling. Both terrible. That's a good reason to buy proper mountain bike shoes. <laughs> that's exactly what I did right after that. I got mountain yeah. bike shoes and that you're didn't like, happen. Wow, turns out if your foot comes off your pedal, it's a serious issue in certain scenarios. Turns out. And turns out you can get really hurt at Big Bear. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can really hurt yeah, anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, the Big Bear, um, for sure. Worst crashes mm-hmm. there. What about you, Jeff? Well, in your racing days? Yeah. Back when I was racing, actually, this was in National Champs in Vermont when I was like, 17, I think so. Yeah, I, uh, there was just like one section, like the Mount Snow is like kind of notorious for these huge ski hill sections that you're just going super fast on. And there's these huge water bars, right, that you'd see in ski resorts and you have to pre-jump them. So you just have to basically bunny hop like, who knows, 20 feet prior to the thing because you're going like 35 miles an hour because it's like massive wide open straights. And then they like pull back into the trees. And I just miscalculated one of those in the last practice run before a race and just clipped my rear tire like going way too fast. It's always speed. It's like if you crash slow, you can get away with a lot of OTBs. But if you go OTB going like 20, 30 miles an hour plus, like you got some issues. That's how people break the collarbone. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I like shattered my clavicle, broke the top of my scapula, like tore a bunch of ligaments. It was a mess, man. That, oh. took, like, that was like a six months and I have a giant scar on my shoulder from the two surgeries. So that was, that was pretty bad. Wow. That one wasn't very fun. But funny enough, that one didn't hurt that bad because it was like so severe Your that I was like, pumping. yeah, like adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. You're all like, like the worst ones, like ones that bad where you're like shattering bones, like, I don't know that that whole experience wasn't really that like acutely painful. Whereas I had another one like just local trail riding, and it was like got you know it was getting dark too quick. I miscalculated when the sun was going to set, and I just like messed up on one like little rut in some corner and just like plowed my face right into the ground and oh. like, just cut my face all up. That was like a way more. That was way worse because I like remember the sound of my face like smashing into the dirt. And, like, that was just, you know, I didn't, you know, I healed from that quicker because nothing broke. I just scraped up my face. But that, to me, was, like, I don't know. <laughs> I think the worst ones are the ones you, like, don't expect. You're on a trail you're even 100 times. Yeah, you know, it's exactly right. And yeah. you're just and cruising. Just, like, and then something just weird slap, happens. It's, like, know? everything's just going fine. You're just out for your yeah. casual trail ride, and all of a sudden, your face is just smashed into the right? ground. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah. when you're hauling, you know, mock chicken down a downhill run, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I could eat. <laughs> I could, I could yeah. eat it at any moment. Totally. You know? 
But well, so quick disclaimer, <clears throat> just in case you're you know listening to this with your significant other who really genuinely cares about your personal health, <laughs> um, mountain biking <laughs> is as safe or as dangerous as the rider makes it. You can go out and ride trails that are well within your skill level and be safe on them and have a great time. Um, or you can go out and do something really dangerous, just like driving. You can't like try and drive 120 miles on the freeway without crashing. Same thing with mountain bikes. So true. You know, you can be safe on mountain bikes. It's yeah. true. It's not always easy I, to do it because it's I, fun to <clears throat> not be safe. I try to ride at like 90%. Yeah, exactly. Enough oh, yeah. to get adrenaline rush, not out of control. Yeah. 100%. 90%. And if you're going to like push it, you can push it in like a corner and wash out and scrape your knee as opposed to like push it going 35 miles an hour down a rock garden type of thing. Right. So, all right. What are we missing in the mountain bike industry? What do mountain bikers really want slash need innovated? Mm. I mean, based on the question a few prior, I think the last possible thing is like tires. Tires still are not perfect. Still have issues. You know. I'm going to go drivetrain. There's still What's something. What's wrong with drivetrains? Just like having to lube your chain all the time and like your cable <laughs> stretching out. So mountain bikers like, need less maintenance is what you're saying. I want, yeah. I don't want to have to touch my drivetrain ever again. Yeah. All right. Mm. So you would you would rather you would rather take a no maintenance drivetrain over never having a flat tire again? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take tires that never go flat. Gosh, I don't know. What do you think, Liam? That's a tough one. It um, is a yeah. People ask that a lot. I mean, I mean and we always talk about like product innovation plateau. I think yeah, mountain bikes, bikes are, are really good. So good right now. Right? Like and brakes, I could we, deal with. We talked about you know. in the last one. I'm a a big like. I'm holding out for a really good gearbox. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Um, it's yeah. like Sram or Shimano, two of the yeah. big dogs. One of them. Well, I'm holding out for a really good gearbox. gearbox. Um, I don't know what mountain bikers really need innovated though. Like it's yeah, like suspension's great, brakes are great. Yeah, I know everything's really good. Yeah, everything on a bikes are great, man. Sometimes I wish gloves would last longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> shoes. I mean, my shoes actually have been lasting a pretty long time. Yeah, shoes are good. A couple of years. It's, yeah, I mean, there's like, there's like, you can always find to complain, something to complain about. Yeah. But like at this point, those complaints are pretty negligible. Whereas like a rewind 10 years and like you couldn't even go on a mountain bike ride without your yeah. chain falling off. Like your brakes never yeah, worked. You true. never had enough gear range. Like your tires really went flat. Your wheels always went out of true. I mean, yeah. bikes were terrible it's true. 10 years ago. I was just thinking about like when we were in Colorado, like you go through your first creek and then your drivetrain is like, like crunchy yeah, that's and like true. awful. I would say that would be like the third creek. There was a lot of creek yeah. crossings on like Gearbox, 25 mile rides. Belt drive. Yeah, could work. Yeah, it could be. Nice. So what just happens saying. if you go through a creek with a belt? That thing's squealing at you or what? If know, you have I a gearbox with a belt, write in and let us know. We'll see. <laughs> I have a friend who works at Zerod, oh. the New Zealand bike company, and he's. Right. I'm trying to convince him to send us a bike so we can check it out and Ooh. test it. They're making some progress on the gearbox situation. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. All right, Jared, what's the next question? With the current inventory situation happening, will there be price increases coming? Hmm. I mean, that's a pretty simple answer. The answer yeah. is absolutely yes. yes. Like almost every bike yep. brand and a lot of component brands have announced price increases. Shoot, some yeah. even announced it on Pink Bike, like yeah. publicly. Like, hey, yeah. who did that? 
Uh, I believe Commonsall did something like that. Yeah. Commonsall's pretty like and Santa direct. Cruz also. Santa Cruz I um, think also said their price. Yeah, I mean, there's up. there's so many reasons for that. It's like yeah, demand went up, price goes up. Like that's simple. And then yeah, just inflation, price Cost goes of up. Freight, they're Cost like freight. Your freight. Yeah, I mean, there's up. a lot there's of reasons so many right reasons now to raise prices. Why they're gonna go up? Yeah, um, yeah. it's funny because like as a consumer, I could see why this why this is. Legit question because you don't see it as much, but like internally in the industry, like every brand, I would say like ninety percent of brands at this point, bike brands, component brands, yeah. whatever, have said like, "Hey, we're raising prices because we have like labor shortages, supply chain issues, freight costs went through the roof, like all these issues, like they have no choice but yeah. to increase prices, and otherwise they can't sustain their business." Pretty simple I'd economic it's, situation. It's as, as a whole, like economically, right? It's not just the bike industry. It's it's oh yeah. I mean, every industry right now, if it's made overseas, is going to go up in price. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then again, the little <clears throat> little glimmer of hope is like trickle-down technology gets cheaper, right? Yeah. yeah. We have, and maybe it'll tone back once freight costs yeah. become reasonable again. Yeah, we just got a GX Access drivetrain for 600 bucks or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like that. That's, that's true. That's a pretty surprisingly well-priced product. So Electronic GX drivetrain, that's that cheap, yeah. High-end tech is always expensive. It will go up, but trickle-down tech. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, just for the people that don't work and live in the industry every day, I mean, every brand's already announced that, but I guess a lot of them, you know, they don't announce that, like, to the consumers publicly. What's the point of that? (laughs) Why would you pay for a public relations firm to tell everyone you raised your prices? (laughs) Like, you just don't do that. You just raise the prices and go on with your life. And, And you tell, like, people who buy your product and retail it, whatever. It seems like it's more common for bike brands, at least the ones that I've seen. Like, you don't see SRAM coming out and saying, like, hey, we're raising our prices. Yeah, I don't think they have. It just seems like it's the bike brands. more common in the bike brands. Way more common than the component brands. They also have so many variables, right? Yeah. To put a bike together. True. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. 100%. Well, what's the next question? Who just read that last one? I read read the last one. All right. I see your head mech head mechanic. Mac. That's you. Head, head mech. That's you, Liam. Head mechanic wearing a tool apron. What are the essentials that are always in there or what is in there most often besides Jeff's hair products? <laughs> well, Jeff does not use hair products, nor is, does he use shampoo. Which is crazy. You know, it's I, natural. Before before we started a YouTube channel, I didn't think my hair was that weird. Just for the record. <laughs> Now that like all these people make fun of my hair and ask why my hair is so weird, I didn't think it was that weird. Well, when it's well, longer, it's more pronounced. That's true. I've tried to tone it down. I told the haired lady, I was like, <laughs> "Could you cut around the ears?" So, I was I was in uh, I was in Germany at that SRAM event in 2020, pre-COVID. This was in February, Ooh. for the record. And I was with these two British dudes that were awesome. And this like British guy had like his hair like growing all over his ears. And I was like, that does look weird. I, and I was like, my hair's like that too. I was like, maybe I should just have the hair lady cut the hair around the ear. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I didn't think my hair was that weird until we started a YouTube channel and 10 million people made fun of me for my weird hair. But well, it's my genetics, man. They're, they're Stop just, it. They're jealous, Your hair's man. defense. I'm sensitive about Mine it. Mine gets similar too because I don't product or anything. So swoopy and floopy. But I just, I don't like it. I shave it. Your hair's um, got natural Libre hair. Mm. I don't know if it's Na- compliment natural, or not, but I'll take it. Natural Libre? <laughs> natural Libre. Natural, right. natural Libre. Okay, natural libre. back to the, the question. The head back to the question. Tool apron. What's what in your apron, Liam? Um, yeah, what's in your apron, I wear Liam? an apron. I don't like stock my apron. Some people do. I know Jason stocks his apron a bit more stuff. 
Yeah, I Jason, kinda, which is also DJ Meatball. Meatball. Yeah, actually does more mechanic work than Liam does these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, he's he's sitting over here. He's I'm also not, the guy who does all the audio for the podcast and videos. More multi talented over here at Worldwide Cyclery. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I count hats. beans and do a podcast. Yep, beans. <laughs> count beans. That's uh, a, like a counting phrase. You I never just thought got I heard that? beans. Called bean counter. Yeah, I know. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't stock my apron. It's more of like a holding slash not getting my clothes dirtier than they always are. Um, you like my fresh shirt, Jeff? Oh, yeah, it's about time. You've been wow. wearing like a beat-up old Worldwide Cycler shirt. I've been telling you to replace it with a fresh one for a long time. You're not trying to waste shirts here. Um, <laughs> so it's, it pretty much just holds the tools I'm working on currently. Usually four or five mil Allens, a screwdriver, a pick. Um, I don't know another tool or two and then I usually have like a little rag floating in there so I can just like wipe stuff down. Um, I know a lot of people stock it with like a three-way um, which will have like usually T25, four and a five. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Little cool stuff, magnets, uh, screwdrivers. Whatever you use most. Whatever often, you use most. Depending on what you're doing. Yeah. But I do like the apron. It's cool. And it, it's useful and you get used to using it and you're more efficient. You still use the one that we got from BTI? Yeah, I do. And you Shout look pro using it. You look pro. Shout out to BTI, which is a behind-the-scenes like bicycle industry wholesaler, but they sent us an awesome apron with a worldwide cyclery embroidered yeah. on it, so thank you for that. Wax, waxed apron. I actually have two of them. One of them's filthy, and that's like the work one. One of the worldwide cyclists for the videos, man. Got to keep it fresh. Fresh one. Shit, one for going, one for show. A YouTube video apron and a and an actual <laughs> work apron. I got more, man. I got more. Wow, That's classic. A man of many aprons. All right. What is this next question? What the heck happened to the YouTube uploads? One a month is not enough. I agree. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah, more? is that right? Well, well, you know, we've had some changes on the team, and it made it a little harder for us to consistently upload YouTube videos. Um, myself, I have been a bit of a crazy schedule these days because, um, yeah, business is wild. Summer. It's summer. Yeah, we've we've got travel. Like I have things to make up that I didn't really get to last year because I couldn't really travel. Um, yeah, and I've I've personally been working on Kettle Mountain, our apparel brand, a lot. So I've been working on that a good bit, and haven't always made it into the YouTube filming studio. Um, but we're getting back at it. We're getting. Oh yeah, we got some uploads more on than, deck. Yeah, we got some uploads on deck. Yeah, right. Yeah, listener. It is also. <laughs> We're trying. It's not like, trust me, if we could just pump out YouTube videos all day and sustain our business, we would, but it doesn't always work yeah. like that. It is also not like release season, new product season. So, like, that usually helps boost a lot of our videos. Yeah, we want new a good reason out, to make right? a video. Yeah. yeah, like new products or, or so, whatever. We want mm -hmm. good reasons. We, little, want, we want to make good videos, yeah. not just random videos. We don't just want to fill the void. We don't just want to fill the void. Quality over said? quantity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Yeah, man. Come on. Yeah, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? The Big, Big Lebowski. Lebowski. I gotta watch that. I haven't watched oh, that what? in years. Oh, such a good movie. oh I thought you said you'd never seen it. <laughs> I think oh, I God. watched it twenty years ago. Time to read this. Ten year old that. boy. Oh a little, <laughs> little young for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next question? Will you guys ever host local group rides or related events? Well, we are glad you asked because mm -hmm. we do host <laughs> group rides 
at our California shop. We have a Strava group. And the Nevada shop. And the Nevada shop. Reno, Nevada shop. And so please join the Strava group, Worldwide Cyclery. We announce our group rides on there. They're usually on a Wednesday, and we usually do a nice little fun local loop. Yep. And the Nevada store is kicking those back up. Obviously, we didn't do group rides for about 16 or 18 months, something like that. Yeah, so those those took quite the hiatus, but we're kicking them back up yeah. slowly but surely, safely doing the right things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're starting to do those. Uh, yeah, which I think is great. Oh, and like, by the way, they're a like blast. Them. They are a blast. I like going on them. They're so fun. I, whenever I go on them, I try to put them on the uh, like the main Worldwide Cyclery Instagram story. So yeah, they're they're a good time. We want to do more of them, but you know they're logistically hard to pull off. But we'll continue yeah, to do them. We've tough. been doing quite a bit. And, Stop. I'd also say related events would be the Chasing Epic yeah, mm-hmm, event true. that we helped promote and went on. That's with true. all a bunch of people that like worldwide cyclers. Yeah, so. a bunch of worldwide cyclery fans and bike nerds. And yeah, that was, that was really fun. That was such a good time. We're doing another Chasing Epic trip in September, actually, in Brevard. And um, Jared and Liam aren't going on that one. But Matt McCluskey, who runs our Pennsylvania store, he's going on that one because it's all the way out in North Carolina. Um, that should be cool. We try to do two Chasing Epic trips a year. Maybe we'll mix in some other events in the future. I don't know. I like doing that stuff. We had a good time on this last Colorado trip. It, it was is, so it was so much fun. It made me want to do more. Yeah, so trips. much fun. It is, it is a good time. It'd be fun to 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 get those bigger. That'd yeah, be fun. We certainly haven't been thinking about events though. It's not really like on people's minds these days. Events, you know. Yeah. yeah. Giant congregations of people haven't really been something that seems plausible. <laughs> they sure days. are fun. <laughs> they are. So we'll we'll try to do more. What's the last one? When locking out the rear suspension on any bike, should there still be a little bit of bounce in it? That is a broad question. Um, most bikes now, unless you have a pure cross-country bike with like RockShox, SID suspension front and rear, or Fox, like XC style stuff, do not actually have a lockout position. It's called closed or climb yeah. because the shock does not lock out. Yeah. So cross-country bikes, they do lock that's, out. That's intentional. That's intentional. Yeah. They do lock out. They get super stiff, almost like a hardtail. A trail bike, and especially an enduro bike, um, they do not like fully lock out. There's not a lockout position technically. It's a climb mode, uh, some you know, firm, whatever it might be. Uh, it just firms up your compression circuits. So there is still movement. There is still oil flowing through those shim stacks. But... It has bounce because one, uh, it's not good to lock out the shock completely with all the oil in there, but also it helps give you traction still while yeah, you climb. A lot about traction, yeah, for sure. Especially climbing technical single track. Like some bikes are even like they don't lock out that well, but they actually climb the best because they don't. Like yep. they still bob a little bit and still have movement. And like on a road section, you might be like, well, this bike doesn't lock out that well. But if you ride that in the dirt, you might actually like really like that, that mode. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, simple as that. A yeah. little bit of bounce. A little bit of bounce. A little bit of bounce. Which is good. And if you, you turn your traction. lever and it doesn't do anything, your shock might not be working properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it does nothing at all, yeah. yeah. For the record, I don't really ever touch the rear shock lever on my bike. Like, I never lock it out. Um, I mean, I also never ride it on the pavement, but I never even touch it. Like, I just yeah. don't care. Pavement climbs I do. Yeah, pavement um, climbs. And, sure. and I like to on the XC bike just because it makes me feel fast. Oh, yeah. I can mm. rock it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but if I'm just cruising cruising mm. on the the big travel bike, I hardly lock it. I'm on a Yeti, so they pedal great anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Like a lot of modern day full suspension bikes just already pedal great. Like you don't need to really yep. fiddle with the shock lockout or shock climb mode, yep. as it should be called now. It used to be called lockout. Like that's the original term because ten years ago suspension was terrible and only they could only lock out shocks and that was necessary. But now it's just a lot better. Most every bike pedals good and the climb mode of shocks you know they've evolved from lockout to climb mode because climb mode has more traction so yeah it's good stuff well that's it that's all thank you very much for listening to the mountain bike podcast uh if you want to know when we produce more podcasts we always post about it on the worldwide cyclery instagram and we send out an email so if you're on the worldwide cyclery email list um you will get notified when we pump out these podcasts we're trying to do them how often are we trying to do these? Once a month? At least. Twice a month? Yeah. At least once a month. About yeah. once a month, it seems like. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're, we're making sure we keep hitting you guys with good, relevant mountain bike information. Uh, but thanks for listening. Please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Do we have any reviews? Is that even a thing? I'll have, I don't to, even know. I'll have to look into if that. You, if you send <laughs> us, doesn't even know. <laughs> if you send us a review, <laughs> screenshot it, email it to Podcast Worldwide Cyclery. With your shipping address, you'll get a fender. And you get a fender. Oh, yeah. We're just giving away fenders. How many do we even have? We've should got we a be, stack? I don't well, think we okay. should be concerned. This might be a little. Well, he doesn't want several thousand people listening to this. So, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully well, not too many people us. made it to the end. If you made it to the end, we love you. We love you. Thank you for listening. Have fun riding bikes. We appreciate it. Have fun. Send it. Jerry out. Goodbye.